Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Prof, we have a few questions from Fatmata. She says, I'm 33 years old. I have two kids and it's very hard for me to get pregnant. I have one cycle of IVF and failed. I'm worried. And then she says, my egg count is low. Is it possible for me to fall pregnant again? And then she said, can I have an appointment with Prof Chapman? Well, of course you can have an appointment with me. I'm more than happy to have a, a, an appointment. Now, obviously, I, my clinic is in uh, Sydney, in South Sydney, and that's not convenient for everybody. So I'm more than happy to do Zoom consultations. And if you, the way to set that up is to ring uh, the reception at my clinic. And the number is 95985505. And they should be able to make your appointment in the next couple of weeks. Egg numbers can't be reversed, unfortunately, but optimizing those that you have uh, should be possible. And the fact that you've had children before uh, makes me optimistic that you can get a pregnancy. We've also had Blaze Stephens join us, which is wonderful. And I put the number in the chat, 95985505. So Fatmata can get the number from there. Someone asked, I noticed on that, on your set of questions that are asked in the United Kingdom, is there, is it ethical to freeze embryos? Well, in my view, of course it is, because it gives you a better chance of having a baby. The ethical issue, however, does arise is when you've had your family and you've got spare embryos sitting in the freezer. And that is an issue. You know, they're potential babies. And then what do you do about them? They're potential in the sense that a 40% chance of creating another child. So it's not 100% by any means that they are going to be viable embryos. The options that you have in in that scenario, and and 98% of couples decide or patients decide that they don't want to keep paying the storage fees about $250 a year because they're never going to use them. And we will just take them out of the freezer, put them on the bench. They come to room temperature and the cells break down uh, over the next couple of hours. And so be it. That is that embryo gone. About 1% are happy to gift them to medical research where we're looking at ways of improving our pregnancy rate. We also use them for training of our scientists because things like genetic testing, they have, the, the, the embryos have to be, the cells from them have to be dissected out. And that's a, a real skill. And obviously using live material. The ethics of giving them for research, you know, some people find that at least that's a use for them rather than just throwing them away. And then about 1%. Uh, offer them up to couples who cannot uh, produce embryos themselves, uh, embryo donation. For most people, that's giving a child, basically adopting a child out, and it's not really acceptable. Prof, we have a question from Tosika. Do you accept clients from Victoria, but 
do a Zoom? And I said, yes, you do, but I'll let Prof answer that himself. Yeah, the answer is yes. If you need treatment uh, and you think that it's worth coming up here, we can also organise that. I did uh, have a lady who travelled up from Melbourne uh, just for the day because we can do all the monitoring and the preparation for cycles in Melbourne and just means coming up for the day for the egg collection. Uh, but in terms of consultation, more than happy to talk to you. My youngest is three years, been trying to FOE, I think she means fall pregnant for the yeah. last two years done lots of tests but i was told it's going to be difficult to be pregnant it needs a full assessment of what's going on because a, a, a low egg number in terms of a natural conception really doesn't make any difference because you're still producing an egg each month the egg reserve thing about the quality of the eggs your quality of the eggs is, is, is because you're 31 um not not because of the numbers of eggs so each egg each month uh, is likely to be of good quality so there may be something else going on other than the eggs stopping you getting pregnant on your own. Don't have any more in the live chat at the moment, so you can go back to the bank of questions. Okay. Um, someone was asking about what's the best drug to use in an IVF cycle. In Australia, uh, there are now something like six or seven different drug companies making the FSH-based products. So FSH is follicle-stimulating hormone. It mimics what uh, the same hormone that's made by your brain to tell your ovaries to make an egg. In an IVF cycle, we're trying to make multiple eggs. So by giving an overdose, in a sense, of the FSH, the ovaries will produce more eggs. Originally, these uh, drugs were refined from the FSH secreted by women who've been who'd been through the menopause where the FSH levels are extremely high. And the original <laughs> FSH, um, that's a, up to a point, a funny story, was uh, made in Italy. And the drug company involved used to collect urine in big tankers, like the milk tankers that drive around the country in Australia, would go from monastery to monastery, picking up the urine from postmenopausal nuns. And then it was taken back to the factory where the FSH was extracted from the urine. So they were called urinary products. And for the first 20 years of IVF, that's what we did. But genetic engineering came along. And so now we actually manufacture it artificially, uh, the same compound, but much more efficiently. But more importantly, it makes sure that it doesn't have any other contamination in the, in the product. As I said, there are a number of products. So, um, and many of you who've been through IVF will, will recognize these names. Gonal F is probably the most popular in Australia. Puragon is another one. Benfola is another one. Elonva is another one. And then there are combinations of FSH and LH. Menopure is the commonest of those. Pergovirus is another. But... When you line up all the studies that have been done over many, many years, there is absolutely no difference between them in terms of pregnancy rates. We may try one drug on you, and if it's not very successful, we will be, we'll probably try a different one the next cycle. It's not based on any science. It's just that maybe for you as an individual, one drug might be better than another. That's what we, we're using as the, the rationale. But if you're going to a clinic and particularly the, the more inexperienced fertility doctors just keep on giving you the same drug, same drug, same drug, uh, I'd look for another specialist because I think there are differences and it is worthwhile uh, exploring them. Which drug? 
I use all of them from time to time. I, I, I don't have any particular preference. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.